Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. to say how delighted I am that uh, the, the, the convention could invite me to come and share God's word with my brothers and sisters in this island. It's so good to know God is with us and that God takes us very seriously, has witnesses. I thank God for coming to this island because I come from a fairly hot land almost most of the time. And when I see rain the way I see it here, I'm so excited because for us, rain is good. I'm not sure what other people think, but for us, rain is very good. Rain is a blessing. But tonight, I would love us to look at Jesus saying to us, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And we want to believe that Jesus' mission is also our mission that the apostolic ministry at that time brought the word of God to us. And so we are now given the responsibility to take the same word and go out into the world, either our local world or international world or national world. We are given the responsibility to go. And so Jesus Christ brings out this great prophecy from Isaiah 61. And he talks about four things which I would like us to look at and very quickly because he is talking about the role of the Holy Spirit on him, anointing him, enabling him, giving him the power to preach good news to four categories of, of people. Number one, the poor. The poor. God doesn't look at the poor the way we look at the poor. I'll give you three examples, and this example should help us to understand how God looks at the poor. First person is Nicodemus. You will remember Nicodemus from John chapter 3 when he came to Jesus Christ and he was seeking Jesus for a particular reason. In verse 1, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was one of the high and the mighty, very important people in the, in the community of the time, he was very, very learned. He came to Jesus. But you see, he, he recognized in his life that he lacked something. And Jesus told him in verse 3, when he spoke to him, he said, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from, the, from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And then Jesus told him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Now, this is something very new to him. Jesus is saying to him, you need a new beginning. You need a new relationship with God. You need a new direction in life. Now, this is a man familiar with the, with the law and the teachings of the law and, and very faithful. But Jesus is turning his world upside down. To him, this is good news. To him, this is what he was looking for. And Nicodemus received what he did not have before. To him, Jesus has spoken deeply into his life. When you read his story, 
you end up with the very famous verse that all of us know in Sunday school, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes may not, may not perish but have eternal life. It's the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. He needed Jesus. The second person I want you to think about is a man of Jericho by the name Zacchaeus. We find Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, but Zacchaeus, very famous for different reasons. But what's so special about Zacchaeus was he desired to see Jesus. He really had a deep desire in him to see Jesus. He wasn't the saint in Jericho. He wasn't a very perfect man. As a matter of fact, he was very hated by the religious people. But look at this man. He is desiring to see Jesus. This man wasn't poor, as we would know, materially. But he was intensely wanting to see Jesus that he embarrassed himself by running and climbing a sycamore tree. He didn't care about his robes. He didn't care about what he was doing because the rich man was needy. He had a need that money could not buy. When Jesus met him, Jesus invited himself to his house and Zacchaeus needed a friend because there was no friendship around and money cannot buy friendship. True friendship cannot be bought by money. Zacchaeus too needed acceptance. Now each one of us value the relationship in our lives with friends and each one of us would love to be accepted. Zacchaeus needed that in his life. And so when Jesus went to his house and sat at his table and ate his food, Jesus was saying to him, I am increasing your value. I would like you to know how important you are to God. The rest may shun you. Everybody else may turn their backs to you, but you're very important to God. Now, that's the gospel. The gospel means that we are important to God no matter what the world says about us. And by going home and eating in his house, by sitting in his house, finally Jesus Christ said these words to him. Salvation has come to this house. For this man too is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus found what money could not buy. And he received the good news of the rabbi from Nazareth coming into his house and eating and accepting him for who he was. His value went up. The third person that you want to think about is found in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 10, and Luke 7, 36 to 50. She is called a sinful woman. She has no name. She only has a title describing the kind of life she was living. Now, Mark and Luke tells us this woman came with very expensive perfume, very expensive perfume, which means she had means. She broke the bottle and poured it on Jesus, according to Mark, poured it on his feet, according to Luke, and this whole thing was an offense to some people who thought, this is a waste, this is a waste. But she had a reason. She was looking for a man who understands the heart of a woman. A true man will understand the heart of a woman, and that true man is Jesus. She was familiar with men who only wanted her body. And if her heart was broken, they didn't care about that. She was looking for somebody who would treasure her. And she came to this place, and she met this man, 
There are many stories around it, but that's not our point today. But listen to what Jesus Christ said to him. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, those are three categories of poor people. Nicodemus, very prominent in society, but needed somebody to speak into his life and give him a direction. Zacchaeus was very wealthy, we know, but needed a friend, needed somebody to value him, needed somebody to come close to him, needed somebody to sit with, and this woman needed somebody who could speak deep into her heart, and Jesus of Nazareth was a person. And then secondly, Jesus was anointed to proclaim freedom for prisoners, freedom for, 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 uh, for, for prisoners, two areas. Number one, freedom from sin. When we go to John chapter 8, in verse 32, Jesus declares these words, and this is what Jesus Christ says to us. Verse 32, Jesus said these words to the Jews. He says, he says to them, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free because sin has enslaved humanity, has put us in a prison that we can never break through unless Christ brings the key to open that gate and lets us out. Sin has bound us, and only the truth can set us free. The truth is Christ himself. And then he says to us, when the sun sets you free, you will be absolutely free. This is amazing because even on that cross, when he was hanging up and in agony and in pain, the thief who was hanging out there with him received this freedom because he said to him, today we shall be with you in paradise. The truth about sin is not new to us, but the truth about the Savior must be proclaimed. We need to go to the world that is completely under bondage to know that Jesus Christ saves. Second freedom is from demonic bondages. According to Luke in his gospel, chapter 8, when you look at verse 26 to 39, you see a man who has been completely bound, bound by demonic forces. I don't know how he got them, but he was already there. And Jesus commanded those demons to come out with authority and with power. This man had lost even his home. He was living among tombs. There is this insult that the devil can heap up on a person. The guy never knew a mattress or a bed. The guy was living out and wild. The guy was like an animal because the demonic forces have robbed him of normal life. Not only that, the man even didn't know his name. He lost his identity. He lost who he is. For him, he's called Legion. Legion now becomes his name. Why? Because the devil is at work in his life. In my own ministry, I have seen many released from the power and the imprisonment of the devil. The power of demons in my African context is so obvious I only fear for you in the Western world because demonic forces are very subtle. And unless you have discernment, you can never know how they are working. But in my context, they are very obvious. People have been released by the power of Jesus' name. Not only that, even areas and lands have been released. When I was posted as an archdeacon in a given area, 
that place had so much occultism and wizardry to a level where church was a routine. No joy, people were all bowed down, their heads were like they were carrying heavy, heavy loads, and people were not, as it were, rejoicing in church services and celebrating Christ. Why? Because the enemy had taken over the territory. Now, my people covenanted our land to the devil through our ancestors. And so he took it up. But when the gospel came, when the name of Jesus came, when we began to proclaim and rejoice and sing, there was a release. And as we saw God releasing people, joy came in, sunlight came in, and excitement came in because whenever you are free, you must celebrate. And so even then, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can release us from the power of demonic forces. And then the third thing is he is anointed so that the blind can see. He's anointed so that the blind can see. Now, blindness is caused literally by darkness. Now, when you go to John chapter 8, there is a story of a woman caught in adultery. And I'm sure there wasn't just a woman. It's a woman and a man, of course, because one person can't do adultery. But this man and a woman caught in adultery were blind to the law. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. They could not read, they could not understand. Their minds were blocked and they were living in darkness. They were blind. And even the people who caught them were also blind. Why? Because they only brought one woman. The only one party to the adulterous relationship. Where was the other guy? He came before Jesus Christ and they began to accuse according to the law of Moses. Again, they were blind. They were blind to the fact that Moses says when two are caught in adultery, the two should be brought together and stoned to death. So even then we notice the darkness can come as a result of sin blinding our minds, blinding our eyes, and also covering our heart. That's why Jesus Christ in verse 12, this is his word. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of, uh, of the world. And so here we are, we are looking at a powerful proclamation. Friends, you will understand in history, Africa was termed the dark continent. The dark continent. Although the sun shines 365 days in a year, we were living in darkness until the light of the gospel came to us. Until your ancestors brought the gospel to us, we did not know our right hand from the left hand. We did not know each other. We did not know uh, our neighbors. But today, when Europe is saying no to Jesus, isn't darkness slowly overpowering Europe? Isn't there perpetual darkness now descending upon Europe. Why should it that the darkness from Africa continent should now roll over to Europe? Again, because the light of the presence of Jesus Christ is being denied. And may God help Europe. Then finally, Jesus Christ said, I am anointed to set the oppressed free. I am anointed to set the oppressed free. Each one of us, we live in a fast world. Today, we are familiar with oppression. Let me just say these words to you. In the days of Jesus, Rome was the oppressor. Life was hard. 
Taxes had gone way up. People were groaning. Today, life is very oppressive. People are tired. And some of us are tired even in the morning. It come evening like this, you just can't lift your hand up. You are tired. You are tired. You have spent all your energy because life is such that things are not very easy. Parents are tired. Young people are bored. Employees are grumbling. Now life is just, it's just tough. It's very oppressive because life is moving so fast and there's no way you can slow it. In the days when missionaries came to my country, they went on a boat. It took four months to get to my home. Today, it's a matter of eight hours from Heathrow to Entebbe. You are in Uganda. People are jetting around. Now, you're saving so much time. What you do with the time? There are other things, of course, you have to do with them. People are under oppression. That's why Jesus Christ says these words. Come to me. Come to me, all who are tired of carrying your heavy load. I will give you rest. Isn't that the reason why we need to proclaim Christ, the giver of rest? The one who can give peace of mind to those who are anxious and struggling? Isn't it true that many of us need to come to the source of peace, Christ himself? He said, come to me. It's a wonderful, powerful invitation. All those who are burdened, all those who are struggling, all those who feel the burden is too much on your shoulders. Peter would also say these words, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares. Thank God he cares. Thank God he understands. And because he understands, he knows how to handle our every need pressure, everyday pressure and struggles. And that is why Jesus would declare what Isaiah said, that in him is the year of jubilee, the year of rest. The time for rest is now. The Prince of Peace comes and walks around us, comes and walks before us, and he gives us the peace of mind, and he gives us the peace in our hearts. The world needs to know this gospel. The world needs to hear that in Christ we can have the peace that the world cannot have, cannot even give. His mission is our mission. And because he has gone ahead of us, our responsibility is to follow. And I want to thank God finally by saying these words to you, the people of Ireland, the one who trained me to be a teacher, my principal is from this land. The one who taught me English is also from this land. The one who was my best man also comes from this land. The matron also comes from this land. Some of my great friends are from Ireland. And so, Worldwide Missionary Convention, thank you for inviting me to come and to spending a whole week here just to feel the, the, the presence and then to be great, grateful for what God has done through the people of this land. And may God bless you as he stirs your heart into the mission that Christ himself has established through the apostolic ministry and now here, taking up to the footprints of the apostles. Father, thank you so much that you are on the throne and you reign. And because you live, we will face tomorrow. And because of you, we have a cause to live. Blessed be your holy name for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.
We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.